All right, welcome to the Bootstrapped Experience, episode 23. We're kicking along. Yeah, hi, Jack. How are you? Good, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. I've been on holidays uh, last week, went to Berlin for an extra long weekend, which is really nice, just with the family and uh, another family that we, we know very well just uh, from around the corner and took off for five days. Actually took a train, which is fun. Nice. To sleep. That's awesome. Yeah, it's like uh, you hop on it at night and then you sleep through the night if you can. Super uncomfortable beds, but uh, <laughs> and then um, wake up and you're already in Berlin. So nice. it, was, it was a good, a nice little trip. But it means I haven't been super work focused, but uh, I've got some small little updates and stuff. That's cool. Yeah. I'm, uh, that's one thing I'm super excited about moving to England is sort of being able to explore the rest of Europe and having it not be a 12 hour flight. Very yeah. excited, like this summer yeah. to get out there. Exactly. And that's what I found like after I moved from Australia to, to Europe, you know, you can travel between countries. So much easier. Yeah, that's cool. It was only like a, how long does it take? Eight hours or something, nine hours, I think. We got on at like 11 in the evening and then were there in the morning. So, Oh, nice. Yeah. That's a good way to do it. Yeah. And I mean, it's good for the environment, right? Taking a train instead of a plane. Right. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's funny because it sounded really appealing. The whole, ah, oh, we'll go travel on a train like they did in the old days and stuff. And you get on and right. it's like a, a refurbished train from like the 80s or something. So, oh, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, and they've only done the absolute minimum to sort of refurbish it. But um, it goes from <laughs> Stockholm actually and then uh, goes like all the way down through Sweden to, to Denmark and then goes uh, from Denmark to, to Germany. Uh, stops in Hamburg oh, and cool. then uh, down to Berlin. But yeah, it was a pretty funny experience because the mattress is like super thin and super hard and then the heating was stuck on, so you were just cooking inside this little, uh, we had our own little coupe. <laughs> <and stuff. laughs> it, it just wasn't as That's idyllic funny. as it should have been, but uh, right. it was still fun to do. That sounds cool, though. Yeah, yeah sounds fun. Yeah, yeah. What have you been up to? Uh, well, I have an announcement, and it's only like a year and three months late or so. Yeah, I can finally talk about this, is that uh, I sold my Shopify app, and sort of due to contractual obligations for a while, I haven't really been able to talk about it. So I'm excited to at least reveal, I think, what everyone suspected that's listening to this for any length of time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, uh... We've been dancing around it for a long time, right? Yeah, we have for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it was like pretty shortly after we started this podcast, I sold the app, which is funny. Yeah, I actually think it was like before we recorded the first episode. I think it was while we were chatting about it. It may have been. Yeah, yeah that's funny. You were in the process, I guess. Yeah, I think I think I was talking to people, yeah. So that was good. That was how I was sort of able to move to England. Um, I mean, that financed the move. It financed starting the new business. Um, overall, it's a good thing for sure. You know, unfortunately, like I still can't get into like the nitty-gritty details. I think that'd be interesting. But definitely, like I think there's some interesting stuff to talk about there as far as deciding to sell versus not. What was it that tipped you? sort of in the end? I think where I got to was that the app was at a point where I didn't feel able to grow it much myself beyond where it was. And in order to keep going, I think I needed to sort of make the decision of like, do I take on some sort of funding? Do I just try to hire based on what I have right now for income? Or do I just stay the course? And staying the course didn't appealed to me that much. It sounded a little boring. And I had wanted to move to a different country, which I knew was going to be very expensive and sort of take a lot of my time also. So I wasn't really going to be able to put a ton of time into work for a while. And that sort of tipped me over the edge to selling. Huh, nice. Did you try different places to list it? Or was it somebody that came to you? Or how did that... Uh, are you allowed to 
talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I won't get into like super specifics there, but yeah, I did. So I reached out to a few companies that I knew were specifically buying Shopify apps. And in the end, I went with a uh, sort of a large broker that brought some buyers, you know, had a bunch of phone calls over the period of like a month or two, fielded a few offers and uh, selected one. I think the cool thing about, from my perspective, and I think this is where a lot of sort of developers power lies in these sort of things, is that um, I was totally willing to like walk away the whole time. Like there was really... Like I had a price in my head and there was like no no, no negotiation for me because it was just less than that. I'll just not sell it. Not interesting, yeah. Yeah, so I ended up getting a pretty good offer and uh, just went for it. I stayed for a few months afterwards. That was sort of part of it was like an extended consultation. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, since then I've just been working on Translate CI. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, uh, congrats. Uh, yeah, thank you, thank you. Yeah. You know, selling's a hard decision to make because you've sort of spent so much time. How long did you have the app for? I can't remember. I think about four years. Yeah. Yeah, four years sounds right. Yeah. So four years of hard work and, yeah. you know, uh, building it, getting it up to a certain size. Some apps do get, like, you feel like you've put in your good ideas into an app after a while. And maybe sometimes you've, you've built yourself into architecturally a corner or something like that, or you know it's hard to remove features and stuff. Anyway, over time, I just find it's fun to design new products, right? Uh, right. To, to tackle a new space that you haven't thought about in the minutest details yet, because you get to go down these rabbit holes and work out, hey, what's the right way to tackle this problem? Or, and I think that's what I really enjoy about product building. I like thinking about the apps that I've got, but they don't entice quite as much as, as starting a new project does, right? Um, it's always more fun. Yeah, but that's always the problem, right? It's like that's I mean, in some ways it's almost like the most extreme version of shiny object syndrome where you yeah. give up a successful <laughs> business in order to start something with zero revenue. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. And I guess that's where you gotta sort of look at it and say, Hey, do I think I can get myself there again or will this set me up so I don't have to sort of stress about it so much and, and things. So I think that's a big part of it. So I guess I had periodically thought of not seriously, but sort of like, what would happen if I sold through the life of this thing? I'm sure every every owner does. And for a long time in my head, I was kind of like, you know, I don't have a sense of how lucky I am for the app to be where it is. Like how much was my awesomeness and how much was just pure dumb luck? And sort of the thought there is, can I actually do this again? And uh, I think at a certain point in Probably, I mean, really in the last like six months of running the app, I decided, you know what, I think I can do this again. I feel confident enough that I'm not just like shooting myself in the foot by starting something new. Yeah, definitely. I think that's where you got to have like the appetite for it, right? For me, it's like a slow decision to make, right? I, I know in the end I'll, I'll try and sell my apps uh, or my, you know, my existing apps at some point, but it's knowing when the right time is. And it's always hard to know as well, like, am I selling at the right time? Am I selling at the wrong time? You would have sold, I guess, if it's about a year ago, you would have sold before Shopify made those announcements about the 20% yeah. change and don't, stuff as don't well, bring right? That so, up. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Sorry. But like, you never know when the right time is and like uh, COVID hit and, and which was like positive for, for the business at least. So it's like, yeah, what's the right time? When do I feel I'm ready? Um, do I have the energy to to start something off, or am I going to sell it for a high enough price? Because you know, over the last few years, SaaS has been getting huge multiples and stuff as well. Maybe sometimes unrealistic, but 
Like it's been a good time if you were going to sell. And who knows if that's going to be the case in two, three years, right? That's actually, that sort of leads me on to an interesting thing is like I've over the last year, a few times. So I thought, you know, it'd be kind of cool to get back into the Shopify app store. And I also want sort of a case study type app to just experiment with, with Translate CI. Um, so, you know, I've kind of looked around for like a low revenue Shopify app, but at least it's built, it's functional and has a couple hundred dollars MRR or something like that to purchase. It's weird, you know, I've sort of tried seriously a few times recently, just like uh, about a week ago. And Is that on like MicroAcquire or something like that? Or Yeah, yeah. And universally what I'm hearing, which is strange to me, is sort of like, you know, I'm coming in with maybe a 3 to 3.5x multiple and they're like, oh, well, I mean, I'm hearing... Eight. So a couple of things going on there. I don't know if they are actually selling for those kind of multiples. It could be because they're so low MRR. Maybe it works for that somehow because it's still not a huge price. Yeah. You know. So I think maybe what they're looking at is like how much, almost like a buyer starter app. If I was going to sit down and build this app for somebody, how much would I have charged? And seeing you coming in and buying an app that's really just sort of starting out, maybe that's how they're pricing them and saying, right, you know, if you're going to have somebody build the same thing, it's going to cost you 40000 or 20000 or whatever, right? And so that's how they're getting their multiple more than looking at their actual MRR. It could be, because when I look at it, I think, well, what would it take for me to build it myself? And I guess I probably discount my time a little too much. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really factor that in, and uh, maybe maybe I should be. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. but I don't, like I said, I don't know if they're actually getting those prices. It's interesting. That's the only thing I could think of that would explain it, right? Because otherwise it's just uh, they're in dreamland, right? But I think if you had an app that's making a few thousand MRR, then those kind of multiples, like the normal market multiples, probably should kick in a little bit more, right? Probably, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, man, if you can, I mean, think about it this way, though. Like, if you can sell like a, a $500 MRR app for a 10x multiple, it's almost like you're just jumping ahead from 500 to 1500 MRR, I guess. I mean, it's, yeah. I don't know, it's interesting. I guess that's maybe how some people are looking at it. Because I think, at least on Twitter, I've seen uh, different people. Not, I don't think in the Shopify app space, but uh, other places where they're really, that's sort of their tactic, right? I'm just going to build these things, show that it has some potential, and then sell them for some crazy multiple, and then do it again, and do it again, and do it again. Sounds horrible to me, because I, I, I will say selling an app or selling a business is a nightmare yeah. process that I'm not anxious to repeat. <laughs> <laughs> Did the broker help a lot in that process, or was there still like tons you had to do yourself? Somewhat, there was a lot I still had to do myself. The broker's role really was to like bring in a buyer. Yeah. What about like contractual and stuff? Did, was that something that they had? No. We kind of worked together, uh, me and the buyer on that. And, uh, okay. Yeah. That's kind of what I'd be thinking you'd get, right? Especially when you use a broker. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it, I think it probably varies, probably on the broker and probably on the size of the sure. business as well. But um, yeah. I mean, that is one nice thing I will say. Like, MicroAcquire really provides them. I mean, for a self-serve type of platform, they really do provide a lot of stuff, which is cool. I just, I just saw this thing that they released like a letter, like a letter of intent boilerplate, and I thought oh, that's that was so cool because, cool, uh, yeah, I mean, all those little contracts. I mean, especially for like a micro type business. I mean, I, I, obviously, if I'm going to buy a ten million dollar business, I'm going to sure. hire a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> but for you know, if I'm going to spend ten thousand dollars, like, and I have some boilerplate that's going to reasonably cover me, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, no, that's that's what I think as well. It makes sense. But I just would have thought when you're using a broker that that's the type of things that they would 
but may, maybe they they want to be as hands off as possible in the actual deal terms, right? Uh, they just want to get a good price, find right. a good buyer, and then the contractual parts up to the businesses. Otherwise, they're taking maybe on too much risk themselves. They do kind of negotiate some of that stuff on your behalf, but yeah, for when it comes to the actual paperwork, they're pretty hands off. That makes sense, I guess. So you haven't ended up buying any of these because of crazy multiples so far. Yeah, yeah, and who knows? Maybe, maybe I'll find uh, the perfect. Thing. I mean, I, I kind of go through phases where I'll just—I just always sort of keep half an eye out for it and check maybe once every couple of weeks to see if there's anything interesting going on. Because this really is—it's—it's it's almost a marketing tool for me for Translate CI. Not like uh, I'm going to build a big business off of this, you know. Like I would love to be able to be like, okay, well, here's an app I bought for X dollars and. The only thing I did was translate into these five languages, and this was the ah, yeah. bonus round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then also just to to do like uh, blog posts on how to and all that stuff. You've got a, a real project that you right. you can document as you go and as you translate that app and everything else. For sure, yeah. So I've been thinking a lot about marketing for Translate CI. I've kind of decided. I think that for now, I'm a little too scattershot with everything. I'm just going after general developers for all these different frameworks and they've got their own communities and everything else. And I realized like it's too much. I think it just needs to niche down. So I think for the next six months to a year, I'm just going to concentrate on Shopify app developers. It's a kind of a small community. Obviously it's growing, but I think in a lot of ways they kind of make my ideal customer. Partially it's just because I know it really well. The thing is like, you know, Shopify promotes multilingual apps anyway. They want you to do it. They make that clear. So it's almost like if you've built a Shopify app, you've probably been exposed to some of that messaging already. It's in your head. And now if someone comes along and says, hey, and just click a button and it's done. Like, it's, I think it's an easier sell than convincing someone, obviously, that you should translate your app. Yeah, that makes sense. It's funny because just uh, last week, I, I was mucking around with like translation somehow in in one of my apps, or I think I also looked at how can I get more reach in the Shopify app store. And I thought, okay, one of the ways to do that is to actually translate it. So I started translating one of my apps and just sort of started with one screen and set up all the boilerplate for that and then got that translated. Or not translated, but just switched out to not using, you know, hard coded strings, but using like the translation embed tag or whatever. And then I was thinking about your app while doing that. I think it was actually. It wasn't after we last time talked, I don't think, but it was it was definitely in my head about that. It's a good idea to do. And I haven't got that far on it yet, but I think, like you're saying, it it's like one of the things that we can, still can do to reach more people right now with that becoming a little bit more difficult organically than getting yourself listed and being available in different languages makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to kind of be able to jump into a smaller app store, basically, if you can. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't actually checked out. Like, if you go into the other languages, does it be just how much does it promote your app that it is translated, right? Um, or is it just the translation, the fact that they see it in their language that maybe has a better conversion rate or something like that? Yeah, I think it's varied a little bit. I should probably check again because it's been a while. But um, there used to, I feel like maybe there used to be almost different app stores that really promoted uh, like uh, uh, whatever. Language learning, but I think the last time I checked is a little more subtle. But it looked like they it looked like they were up the rankings higher and things like that. If you were, yeah, okay, yeah, whatever language, yeah, I'm sure maybe it, it helps in the overall ranking for your app, right? Like if it does support all this stuff, then that makes sense. 
Yeah, I think it'll be good. I feel like niching down is kind of the right thing to do here, especially since it's just, I know this better than any other community, you know? So we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Plus I can build tools specifically for Shopify app developers, which right now is kind of general. I've been working hard on the app listing scraping tool, which hopefully, fingers crossed, will be out by the time this is released. I don't know. How's that work? You scraping the App Store? Yeah, so basically once a day or something like that, it'll just go grab the app listing, sort of take a snapshot of it, see if it's changed, and uh, yeah. update it if necessary, yeah. Yeah, I guess the then sort of submit a translation for the entire text again, or like obviously if you do the description, that would be the hardest part. Too. Yeah. So what I'm what I'm trying to do is sort of break it into paragraphs. So it has to have a little bit of context around them. Like if you change one word, like it's probably gonna yeah. you're probably gonna a weird translation back by just trying to do that word. So I think in the app description, which can be pretty long, I think a paragraph is about the right size to sort of give enough context. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess you just extract the paragraph with the change in it, right? And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, exactly. You don't want to you don't want to submit a thousand words because you changed the sentence somewhere. You know. No, exactly. That was my thought. Ah, interesting. Talking about App Store, I got one of these fun notices today or last night saying, you know, urgent updates required for your app. Oh no! Otherwise, we will demote it or whatever. And it was fine. I mean, one of them was like. Apps have to be uninstallable from within the app itself, from the app interface. And then they send me a screencast showing that they were uninstalling it from within the app. <laughs> and, and I'm like, <laughs> well, what is the problem, right? Because they were like, here. And then sort of, so they, they're in the app, they click uninstall, they confirm, and then they go to the app section of their Shopify admin and show that, and then they sort of wiggle the mouse around like as if, hey, here. And it's not showing anymore. So I, I don't understand right. it. But um, <laughs> interesting. There's a small thing I could do is like show a flash message first, saying yes, app uninstalled, and then redirecting them. But I don't. I don't get it. And then the second point was that the app name has to match the App Store listing name. And then they've sent a screenshot from my App Store listing for for the app. And then they've sh- sent a, a screenshot for the app setup for another app for one of my other apps. <laughs> of course, they don't match. They're two different apps. It was just weird. Like, did somebody? I don't know if it's an automated thing that's just gone haywire, or if somebody actually looked at that and thought that that was worth sending to me. Yeah, I had heard. I had heard about the app name thing recently, and I'm kind of. I'm kind of curious how that works because, like, you see apps that like they've got like the slug URL slug or whatever. It's just a hundred percent different than the app name because you know it might have started out as a totally different app. They just sort of repurposed and like is that what they mean like it has to match the slug no because when you set up an app in the partner dashboard right so you go into the partner dashboard you go under apps and then you click on your app if you go into app setup there you give your app a name and that's what they see inside their admin if they go to the apps list right and then you also have your app listing where you can set a different name if you want oh you know i forget it's been a while since i've been in there i forget (laughs) yeah and one solution would be just to use one field for that, instead of yeah. providing two fields and wanting them to be the same. <laughs> I think it's fair enough because, say, it's translated or something like that, but your app shouldn't change name just because of translation. Anyway, right. so that would be one way to solve the issue, and the other would just be to use, or to allow them to be slightly different. right? Um, I think maybe what they're trying to do is stop all this keyword stuffing in the app name, so the yeah. app store. Yeah, and it would be awesome if, if they enforce that for everyone, but they don't. So, Everyone would have to do it at the same time, I think, for it to be fair. Otherwise, you're basically penalizing one out of 10 competitors 
Or, they, I mean, they could make the, the app name not as relevant for ranking when you do a search term, right? And just do the description and everything else. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Although, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the app name should kind of be the most important ranking factor. But it's difficult, though, because some you don't really know that when you create the app. So it's like some people have pretty obscure app names, and then they're really penalized for that in the rankings, I think. Yeah, exactly. That's where I think you know, it'd be nice if the app could be called whatever it wants, and then have the tagline be the part that actually tells you. Yeah, that would be good. And then yeah. they get... Yeah, and then Shopify can build a matrix out of keywords that you've used in your description and stuff, you know, that have like a ranking way of, of saying, what is this about? But yeah, I don't know what the right solution is, I guess. But uh, it's just, yeah, it just felt a bit silly that they took screenshots of two different of my apps and they said they're not the same. <laughs> um, right. Uh, so yeah, I sent them a very polite email back. One thing, yeah, like I said, I could fix was to to put, show a flash message saying app uninstalled on the uninstall. And then update. I changed the the redirect URL instead of going to like a login page. It goes to to their apps page in the Shopify admin. But I don't that know. sounds pretty reasonable. The actual uninstall works, right? <laughs> yeah, anyway. that's yeah. fine. I wanted to update that process in uh, AppKit as well because that's obviously going to be our way of doing it going forward. So it matched the new way that I've done it. And Shopify have come out with a new Shopify API gem for Ruby, which is like a full rewrite. Basically, version oh, wow. ten is is a whole new gem. So it's not backwards compatible or anything. And I, I understand why they're doing it. It makes sense because the other one has so much, it's based on active resource, which is kind of deprecated sort of thing, is a part of Rails or a spin-off from Rails, which is no longer used. And then also there's a lot of legacy code in there, right? So they're just trying to sort of start with a fresh slate and, and kick it off again. But the method to actually call uninstall for your app is gone from the new API. So yeah, I couldn't put it in for future use. I can use it right now for my existing apps, but you know, if you're building something for the future, you don't want to sort of put in something that's already deprecated, right? But I guess it can be done by GraphQL, so I have to do it that way. Long story short, you always get a bit nervous when you get one of those uh, emails sure. from Shopify, but thankfully they were all minor things that either was just confusion or I could fix very quickly. So yeah, how how long do they give you to resolve it? Uh, seven days. That's not bad as long as everyone's responsive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I'm not sure if it's because of the types of changes that we're requesting, but they don't delist the app in the meantime, which I've seen them or heard them doing for other people. Right. And I think that might be based on, you know, what is the infraction that you're doing, right? I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, I think anything, I mean, whether it's legit or not, if they suspect review fraud, that seems to be the fastest way to just get unlisted. Absolutely, and I think that's good. The more we can get rid of fraudulent reviews in the app store, the better. So what else have you been up to? I know we talked last time about the SEO stuff, and I did launch the blog with a couple of articles. Uh, so I'm just basically letting that hang out for like a month, and uh, I'll sort of evaluate and see how it's doing. Although so this is funny. So my blog isn't getting indexed by Google. I noticed that after like a day. I'm like, okay, well, let me go fix that. And then I realized that on the mobile version of my site, it's just completely eliminates the navigation bar at the top uh, with all the links. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Yeah, so that's dumb of me. So <laughs> I said, well, you know what? I've been kind of wanting to get a little bit of development help anyway. This is like a couple, you know, an hour to two hour task. Why don't I see if maybe I can outsource this and hopefully then find someone decent with front end dev that I can kind of throw these tasks to as I get them? Because I have a decent amount. Yeah, I have learned a lot. I think I'll probably maybe post something somewhere about this process because it was actually really interesting. So I, I wrote a really bad 
description of the task first without realizing it was bad and hired someone for that and they did a bad job. But I think that's because I gave them a really bad description of what I want it done. So that's really on me. It's hard though, right? To describe exactly what it you sure want. It sure is. Yeah, it almost sometimes takes longer than just doing it yourself. Oh, this definitely would have been faster to do myself. <laughs> but if I, if I didn't have that sort of secondary goal of finding someone I can throw these tasks to regularly, then this would have been just a terrible waste of time. But no, it was cool. So like I kind of said, like, okay, well, here's where I went wrong in that first job description. And I rewrote the whole thing, spent a good amount of time doing it, which again, was probably more time than it would have taken me just to make the changes myself. <laughs> I was a little more selective in uh, who I hired and uh, got like a really great job done on it. Uh, they just finished today. So I thought that might be like an interesting, I don't know, thing for Twitter or something, just like the before and after job post. And I'd be interested to look at that. Wrong. Yeah. We've been going through something similar with the, the graphics uh, design stuff we were looking to outsource. And we were trying this um, graphic design on demand sort of service. And I think we were multiple people that looked at it and sort of went afterwards, right? So we submitted the the design and what we wanted and inspiration and, hey, this is how we want it to look. Like this style is what we need and stuff. And then it just came back with something completely different, not even using the colors that we asked for and stuff. And we could see they were basically just copying from, uh, I don't know if you know this icon pack called Streamline. They do like illustrations sure. and stuff. And they basically just pulled in some things from there and... And it's like, ah, oh, this isn't what we asked for, right? So you go back and you try and sort of say to them, hey, this isn't what we want and iterate it again. And and you you think you're being clear, but I'd be interested in seeing how you sort of, yeah, the before and after of yours at least to see how you were able to maybe clarify some things. And obviously they're different types of work, but how you structure it and how you explain it and stuff. Anyway, in the end, we didn't end up getting anything worth that we can actually use for anything. <laughs> so we've canceled that service and you know, maybe we'll try another one. But in the end, I put out a tweet the other day or a few days ago asking for, for graphic designers. And my wife also knows a, a graphic designer uh, who's working on something now. And then we've got three or four others that we've sort of had a look at their portfolios and stuff and that have got in contact with us that we can sort of ask to, to try it out as well. And I think it'd be fine if we just want like some real simple little design and, and we didn't have a lot of, how would you say, opinion about it ourselves. <laughs> but but we know what we want and we know what type of like level we want. So so I think instead of trying to go the the simple route, we need to go like the professional route and find professional. But maybe it costs a bit more. Yeah. I think that makes sense. So what I found is, and I don't know if this would be the same for like graphics design, but there's a lot of knowledge that I sort of took for granted when writing out like what I wanted. Like a super quick example is the site. It's called Statamic CMS. That's what it uses. And uh, it's basically the same as Laravel. And I forgot to put that in the job description and think about it. And then this person had to like check out the Git repo, which they didn't know how to do, and get sort of a Laravel thing running on their system, which they'd never done before. And it's like, oh, yeah, that obviously should have been in the job description. Like you should at least know how to install a Laravel. Yeah, app. sure. But if you're just purely a front-end developer that just works on like flat HTML files, like why yeah, would you yeah. know that? So you know, I need it. Yeah. So like, I, I had to make sure like I specified that that kind of thing. I mean, you just you don't necessarily think about it because that's like you take that part for granted. Or at least yeah. I, no, I totally understand. It's you know sometimes you just got to take a step back or you know look at it with a different set of eyes. Maybe you have a checklist that says right, does it explain this? Right. And that's part of the task that yeah that we're sort of doing this month as well is to sort of document the process and improve our process for requesting these type of things to make sure that we're also giving them the right things and we're asking ourselves the right questions before we ask somebody to build something. 
yeah, it was sort of a big piece of my motivation here. It's like, if okay, if it takes me 10 hours to do this one hour task, but I have a repeatable process for getting it done now in 10 minutes, exactly. yeah, you know, then it'll work yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think trial and error sometimes. Yeah, for sure. So I think I'm going to be, this is kind of funny. So when I moved here, I um, updated all my two-factor authentication, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. blah, and realized that I forgot to do it for my payment provider, like PayPal, how I get paid right. uh, for Translate mm-hmm. CI. And then uh, I was too late to stop the last payment going into this PayPal account that is now completely inaccessible <laughs> uh, because I don't have it. So the funny thing is, so I have that PayPal account set up to pay on Upwork. So that means that I'm going to be experimenting with outsourcing a bunch of stuff over the next <laughs> month or two uh, because it's the only only thing I can do with the money that's in that wow. account now. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. You can't become an Upwork yeah. uh, worker yourself or something, you know? I, yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'll pay myself for my own right. time here. But uh, Yeah, uh, thankfully, thankfully, it's not much money. But uh, Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, oh, that's cool. It's much much easier to just run it down to zero by uh, trying to outsource these little tasks. We'll see yeah, what happens. Yeah, yeah. Ha. It's funny because I've never had much luck with all that Upwork and stuff. And I, I think I've talked about it before, but uh, I think maybe it's also like, be great if you could have like an experience level or something where you could easily see, <clears throat> you can see ratings, of course, but that doesn't tell you if, you know, it tells you that they were good at, at doing something. It doesn't tell you the quality of what they did uh, or right. like they're able to complete a task, but how well do they do it? Yeah, so I guess I've always, and we've kind of talked about this on here, hiring for tasks or smaller tasks and things like that. And I've always seen that as a way to save time that hasn't worked out for me because I wasn't good at it. So I'm seeing this as an opportunity to maybe, I don't know if it's possible, but maybe I can just learn how to delegate. And uh, if I can spend extra time and money right now doing that, so to a point where it becomes actually good for my business, that would be awesome. And I'm hoping to sort of get a group of people on Upwork for various tasks that I can sort of rely on and, and, and farm out. Yeah, exactly. Regularly. Yeah, I think that's that's the dream, right? Like you've just got a bunch of people that you can that you know are going to get the job done when you give them something. Yeah, I mean that'd be amazing. I don't know if it's possible, but it seems like it should be sure. Doable. No, I mean it, it should be right. That's the whole point. Yeah. Yeah, I've had people. Just absolutely nail a task I've given to them on there, and so I just need to be better about delegating more to them. Yeah. Really, yeah. And I think that's I'm used to doing everything myself. <laughs> I'm not a great delegator, right? Um, <laughs> Stuff, yeah, yeah. But it's something I'm trying to get better at anyway. Well, yeah, I'm trying to get out of that mindset of like it'll just be faster if I do it myself because maybe one time it will be, but. 25 times, probably not. And that's what we started on with these graphics and stuff as well. We started doing some ourselves and saying, hey, what if we just did this? We'd get maybe like 70% of what we wanted, but we could do it quite quickly and and we'd do it ourselves. But then if you look at it with like four apps and say you've got a bunch of blank slate images, you've got some welcome images and stuff, it's easily like 25, 30 images or something you need to create. So maybe, yeah, I, I could create a couple that are in the style that we want and stuff, but to do them consistently and lots of them. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of what, what I'm trying to figure out. So I'm like at this weird point now with Translate CI where it's starting to work. People are enjoying it. That's great. And now I don't have enough hours in the day. Like there's 50 different tasks pulling me at all times. And it's like, so with the Shopify app, it really didn't matter because I just didn't have the, um, like I wasn't in a place where I could outsource that stuff. Now I, I am. And 
I should figure out like what am I good at and what's kind of not smart for me to be working on. You know, I mean, I'll I'll mess around all day on a logo that's going to turn out crappy at the end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> someone else could do it in an hour, much better than me. Yeah, and they give you five options or something, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's amazing how often. I mean, I don't know. I, I I've had a hard time putting a number on it, but it's amazing sometimes you get like two days into something and you realize like, why am I even doing this? <laughs> you know, because you th- you think it's you think it, you thought it was going to take you a half hour. Yeah, and uh, yeah, then you just keep messing with it, and picking at it until you've just wasted your whole week. Yeah, yeah. And I guess thinking about that, looking at each task and saying, hey, would somebody else be able to do this? Like, for example, I was talking about uh, updating all our views to use embed locale strings and setting up, you know, getting that all done. That's an easy task for somebody with some Rails experience to come in and do, right? And they could do it as a one-off sort of job. And that could just happen because it it doesn't really mess with anything important, sort of, <laughs> in quotes, because it's it's really just like switch this out, make sure it still looks good if you put in a long string or whatever or a short string or or whatever and make sure that there's nothing missing at the end. Yeah, no, it's pretty easy. Yeah, and there's no logic involved as such, right? The only tricky thing this gets to be with when you have weird variable interpolations for translations. But, uh, you know, usually that might be a couple of strings. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and Rails does have a nice sort of solution for interpolation. So you just sort of part, you just give it a name in the, in the locale file. It's like percentage bracket and then whatever you've called your variable and then end bracket. And then... Um, when you call that string, you just tell it what that variable should be set to. So you do it in the view. It does, yeah. I'm sure it works pretty similar. But it's just if it's conditional, right, then it becomes a bit more. Yeah, or where it gets really gnarly is like uh, pluralization. Is uh, It's funny, I, I dove like deep into this rabbit hole because I just found it really interesting just all these different pluralization rules based on language. And I realized, like, man, it's like not like every framework sort of provides this simplistic version of it that's like does not work for... A lot of languages. Oh, really? Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. Huh. So then you got maybe got to do the whole sentence differently or something like that, right? Yeah, or like some like English, for example, sort of has different rules. It's either like one thing or many things, and that's about it. But a lot of language will sort of be like, they'll have different rules for like the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, and then a hundred, and then a million. And yeah, right. Yeah, it's interesting. It just works okay. totally differently. Yeah. Uh, he, he just burst my bubble. I thought it would be so easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, guess, I guess stay away from those languages if you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's always hard as well to choose which languages you should uh, actually support. Sure. Right? But I think I'll start out with like, you know, a handful of the, the main ones. Yeah. You know, I wish I remembered. I remember I asked Shopify like years ago, like just what, what are your, and they probably have it published somewhere. Like you can see where the majority of their yeah. users are, what languages they are. Uh, maybe looking at like an annual report, you could see... Yeah reporting from which countries and stuff if they break it down to that level i'm not sure yeah. well, but, that'd um, be a good blog post yeah. for me <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'll look into that go yeah. for it that's also what i've been looking at and then shopify themselves they translate to tons of languages right. right so so it's hard to sort of use that and it doesn't feel like they're ranked in any particular sort of order other than alphabetically and stuff so it's hard right. to work out which ones are actually worth doing yeah i think they're fairly open with that information yeah. Okay. Into, yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll I'll reach out to somebody and ask. Well, let's uh let's leave it there. Yeah. And then uh, that sounds good. I can get outside and enjoy the sunny weather. Get into the garden a bit. Um, 
Yeah, that does sound it's good. Been, yeah, been beautiful for a while here. It's pulling me to do other things. Nice. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Which isn't always great. Yeah, but uh, let's talk again soon. Yeah, all right. and, uh, enjoy. All right, you too. See ya.